This morning, God's Word comes to us from Hebrews chapter 11. That is printed in the worship folder, or if you have your Bibles along with you, uh, you can turn there at this time. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be reading just the first seven verses of this chapter. Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 1, we hear now is God's word. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. There is also printed in your worship folder this morning, Lord's Day 7. And I'd like to read for you this morning questions 20 through 22. Lord's Day 7, question 20. Are all men saved through Christ, just as all were lost through Adam? The answer, no. Only those are saved who by true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his blessings. Question 21. What is true faith? True faith is not only a knowledge and conviction that everything God reveals in his word is true, it is also a deep-rooted assurance created in me by the Holy Spirit through the gospel that out of sheer grace earned for us by Christ, not only others, but I too have had my sins forgiven, have been made forever right with God, and have been granted salvation. Question 22. What then must a Christian believe? Everything God promises us in the gospel. That gospel is summarized for us in the articles of our Christian faith, a creed beyond doubt, and confessed throughout the world. And then question 23 says, what are those articles? And writes down for us there the articles of the Apostles' Creed. Well, this morning we have turned to two very well-known and well-loved readings. Readings from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 7, regarding what is true faith. 
It, it is one of uh, what I would call the gems in the Heidelberg Catechism. Now, it's all good, but there are some that just stand out above the rest. Uh, we think of Lord's Day 1. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We think of Lord's Day 10, what is providence? Providence is the almighty care of God. We think of Lord's Day 23, how are you right with God? Only by true faith. We think of Lord's Day 33 and our understanding of repentance and conversion. Lord's Day 45, that leads us into an, in a time of instruction about the Lord's Prayer. There are some that are just precious and gems. And Lord's Day 7, at least for me, is one of those. What is true faith? And in this relatively brief answer. We have a beauty and a simplicity, yet that which highlights the fullness of what true faith is all about. We have read Hebrews 11, another beloved text, the heroes of faith text. We sometimes call it that, children, the heroes of faith text. How we hear about throughout history how God has preserved his people and how by faith they were able to do certain things. You read about Abel and about Enoch and about Noah and about Abraham, about Isaac and Jacob and Moses and all others who by faith were able to do what God called them to do. Faith is such a beautiful truth to reflect upon. Faith is, we might think of it as the beginning of our walk with God. We embrace the truth of God's revelation through faith. It is that which brings us into fellowship with God. As we are going to talk about true faith this morning, perhaps just by way of introduction, it's important to remember faith is not that which is distinctive to the Christian. Everyone has faith in something. Either it will be faith in the one true God, or it will be faith in something else. Perhaps someone else, perhaps even my own reason. I'll put my faith in something. And someone say, well, isn't that enough? Isn't it enough simply to believe? As long as you believe something, that's what's really important. What you believe doesn't matter so much as that you believe. Some would say, you know, what's really important is just that you be sincere in your belief. Really, sincerity is what's important. Again, what you believe in is less important than the fact you really believe it. And you're sincere. Is that enough? To believe in something. To believe sincerely. No, we are reminded this morning that true faith focuses on the object of that faith. True faith focuses not on so much what I do, but it focuses on the work and the person of Jesus Christ, the object of our faith, Jesus Christ and his work as revealed in God's holy word. <coughs> faith is important to us. Uh, later in our catechism, uh, the question will be asked, how are you right with God? And the answer, only by true faith. We are right with God only 
by true faith. Without faith in Jesus Christ, as revealed in Scripture, we cannot be saved. We are talking about the very heart of our salvation. And we have to be very, very careful here, lest we think that faith is somehow my part of salvation. As if God does his part, and I have to do my part. God makes an offer of salvation, and I have to accept that offer by faith. No salvation is first and last from God. But it is embraced, it is perceived only through true faith. And even that faith is a gift from God himself. Without faith, we cannot be saved. It is instrumental in our justification. It is important in our sanctification, the way that we live. We read in verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, kids, it doesn't say without faith it's hard to please God. It doesn't say without faith it's difficult to please God. It doesn't say without faith you have to work really, really hard. Without faith, it is impossible. Impossible to please God. Our life before God must be a life of faith, a faith walk with Him. Again, later in the Catechism, we're reading question 91. What are the good works that we do? And we say that good works, they arise out of true faith. Good works arise from faith. The Catechism there just echoing the words of Romans 14, which says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So it's important. It's important for our very salvation. It's important for our justification. It's important for our sanctification that we have a proper understanding and an activity of expressing true faith. Our catechism does such a beautiful job of highlighting what we might say the different facets of true faith. And it begins by saying this, true faith is not only a knowledge and conviction. When we think of faith, it really has two facets to it. The first is knowledge and conviction. In other words, knowledge, we need to know what it is we believe. We have to have an informed faith. It's not enough to have some abstract hope that maybe somewhere out there there might be some mystical higher power. We have to know what we believe. We have a real belief in a real God. And a real God who has revealed himself, who he is, and what he does in his holy word. True faith is knowledge. We have to know that God. And that's why, that's why we come to church, among other reasons, is to know more about God. To learn more about him, to learn more about what he's done for us. Kids, that's why your parents send you to Sunday school. So you can learn more, so you can know more about God. You can learn the stories of the Christian faith. 
You can learn about Moses, and you can learn about David. You can learn about all these stories of God's working with his people. We might say that knowledge is, is, is like the building blocks of faith. We have to know what it is we believe. And as we grow, as we mature, we need to be able to put the truths of the faith together in a systematic way. Now, in our uh, circles, uh, we call that catechism study. That's why I have the privilege of teaching our high schoolers the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a way to systematize the glorious truths of the faith revealed in Scripture. And throughout our lives, we continue to grow in our knowledge. That's why we come to Bible study, men's Bible study, women's Bible studies, in the morning, in the evening, all of these things. We might grow in our knowledge. Knowledge is a building block of faith. We have to know what it is we believe. True faith is knowledge, and it is conviction. Not only do we need to know what we believe, we need to believe that which we know. Believing that these things really, truly happened. Believing that, that the stories in the Bible are not just Stories to teach us good moral lessons. They're not like Aesop's fables, and the moral of the story is really what's important. But these things actually took place. And our author of Hebrews here highlights some of those stories that we need to believe. We need to know them and believe they actually took place. And look where he begins, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Our belief, our knowledge begins with creation. Fundamental. We need to know the creation story and believe the creation story. That God actually did create everything out of nothing. By the power of his word, he spoke, and it came to be. The proper understanding of creation is not just one more theory out there about where all this might have come from. But the creation story is foundational, for it highlights God's work, God's power, and the power of his word. We know that, and we believe it, because God has revealed it to us. In fact, you look at the word he uses here. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. We not, may not be able to fully embrace all of that, but we understand God spoke and it came to be. The power of God in creation. That's where our faith starts. He goes on, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The story of Cain and Abel. Remember that story, children. How Cain and Abel were both going to bring offerings to God. And Cain brought some of what he had. Abel brought of the abundance of that which he had. 
Abel brought an offering that was acceptable. It was his first fruits. It was offered with a trusting heart. We know that Cain ends up out of jealousy killing his brother Abel. That's not just a, an interesting story in the Old Testament to say be careful how you give. It actually happened. It really took place that Abel would offer a more acceptable sacrifice from a loving heart to God. And true faith embraces that, knows it, and is convinced of it, is convicted. Our author goes on in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he, he was commended as having pleased God. Enoch is one of my favorite uh, characters in the Old Testament scriptures. Enoch, children, a man who walked with God, who must have had regular fellowship with God, walked with him day by day, and then as if one day they just kept walking and God took him to be with him. Enoch did not die. Enoch was taken. Now I cannot explain that, but I absolutely believe it. How did it really actually take place? I do not know. And it's more than just the teaching intent of that story that you'll often hear people talk about the Old Testament. It's really the teaching intent that's important. What does this story teach to us? You know, the story actually happened. Enoch really was a man. Enoch really walked with God. Enoch really never saw death. We have knowledge of that and conviction because it's revealed to us in the Word of God. Our author gives us one more before he goes on to others. We're going to stop with, with verse number 7 tonight, this morning. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The faith of Noah. Amazing. Noah believed God. God had told Noah to build an ark because there was going to be a rain coming, a torrential rain so much it would cover the earth. And Noah, in faith, acted. In faith, acted contrary to what he saw around him. The uh, geography of Israel is not so different from the geography of Southern California. Now, we do get rains at a certain time of the year, but imagine if, if this morning I started building an ark in this beautiful weather and said it's because there's a huge rain coming and you people better get ready. You'd say he's been in the sun a little bit too long. <laughs> Noah, Noah, in spite of the opposition, believed the word of the Lord. He believed it. He knew God and he was convicted of that word. And Noah, in faith, proceeds to build this ark, which we read here was for the saving of his household. Noah believed and his household was saved. True faith has that first component of knowledge and conviction. We have to know what we believe. We have to believe what we know. And our confession goes on more particularly and says this. It is also a deep-rooted assurance created in me by the Holy Spirit through the gospel that out of sheer grace earned for us by Christ, not only others, but I, too, have had my sins forgiven, 
have been made forever right with God and have been granted salvation. True faith is an assurance. Verse number one, by faith, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. A deep-rooted assurance, not just regarding the stories of Scripture, but an assurance regarding my own salvation. Yes, we can read all the stories of the past and how these people were faithful and how they walked with God and how God cared for them, but true faith is also a personal faith, a faith which I hold in, in the ultimate story of salvation, not just the story of a salvation of a household through a flood, but the ultimate story of salvation, the salvation of each and every one of God's chosen through the blood of Jesus Christ. True faith is embracing what God has done, not only others, but I too, am a part of that people, those for whom Christ died. True faith is not about what God might do, but it is about what he has done. In a most remarkable, and we would say unbelievable way, that God would send his own son. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sharing together an eternal, perfect fellowship and that God would send Jesus Christ, leaving that beautiful fellowship and coming down to earth, taking on humanity, becoming limited, becoming physical, becoming spatial, that he would do this and live his life, and in the end, he would be unjustly condemned and killed in the most horrific way possible, and that he would do this all for a fallen, sinful people. He would do this not for those who were looking after him, seeking him. He would do this for the lost, for the fallen, for sinners like you, like me. The most unbelievable story. But true faith says, I, I have a deep, rooted assurance it wasn't just for others it was for me too if you are here this morning and, and do not yet have that assurance you can believe some of the stories in the Bible and they're interesting they're good to read but true faith embraces the reality of salvation it understands the glories of Christ and what he has done not only for others but for me now, I will never understand the depths of the gospel, but I believe it with my heart and with my soul that not only others, but I too have had my sins forgiven. That's, that's the beauty of true faith. It embraces Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. Our confession finishes up this talking about true faith. What then? must a Christian believe everything God promises us in the gospel. And we've talked about the fullness of the gospel. We've talked about the gospel last time as revealed in Eden, in the patriarchs, in the prophets, in the ceremonies. There's a fullness of faith. There's a, a broadness of faith. It embraces everything God says in the gospel. It embraces everything God has revealed to us. There's a fullness of faith. 
We don't just uh, pick and choose what we like of God's word. Well, I like this story, so that's really, really good. But this story, I'm just going to kind of ignore. We are called to believe everything revealed in Scripture. Not just what's given to us in the four Gospels, but the rest of the New Testament and the Old Testament. For it is all revelatory of Christ. It all, either in shadows or pictures, or clearly reveals what he has done. The fullness of his work. True faith embraces this wonderful story, all of this story. God's revelation from Genesis to the end. All the word of God. That glorious fullness summarized for us in the Apostles' Creed, described here as a creed beyond doubt and confessed throughout the world. The Apostles' Creed is a wonderful summary of the Christian faith. Someone asked me just recently, uh, you know, when we have discussions with other people and we disagree on certain matters, what are the fundamentals? What must we agree upon? My answer is always very simply, the most wonderful, concise summary of what we must agree upon is the Apostles' Creed and the truth contained therein. A truth about the triune God, the Father as creator, the Son as redeemer, the Holy Spirit as sanctifier. These are the non-negotiables. We'll be looking at these over the next several weeks together. The glorious truths of the faith confessed throughout the world. True faith is that which is integral to our very salvation, to our ability to please God. It is that knowledge and conviction. Everything God reveals in his word is true. It is also a deep-rooted assurance that I too have been saved. It's the fullness of God's revelation. And we've been talking this morning about true faith. When we describe it as that which embraces everything and it's a fullness in all of this, we might say, but I could never have that kind of faith. My faith is too weak. My faith is too frail. We're talking about true faith, not perfect faith. All of us have times of weakness. All of us have times of frailty. So just because our faith is not perfect does not mean it is not true. True faith is that which seeks more desires more and praise God strengthen my faith more a deeper knowledge of who you are a deeper conviction of these truths and a deeper assurance that this salvation is truly for me God calls us to put our faith our true faith even if not perfect our true faith in him and in his son Jesus Christ as revealed in his holy word for that is the path of salvation Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you and we praise you for revealing yourself to us in your holy word. Give us, O oh God, that true faith. A true faith which knows and desires to know more. A true faith which is convicted in that which we know. A true faith which is assured that in spite of our sin, in spite of our weakness, in spite of our frailty, you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to give us new life. For that truth is revealed throughout the Scriptures. Lord God, may we embrace your word, all that your word gives to us, and continue to grow in our faith and our knowledge of you. 
Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.